and welcome to Let's Hash It Out with myself, Harry, and my co-host, Joey. Hello, hello, hello. And my other co-host, Aaron. How's it going? So today, we thought we'd get a bit weird and wonderful, mm. and we visited the beautiful place that is Creepy Pasta. Yes. And selected a little story each mm-hmm. that we would read aloud to you all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we might take the piss out of it, we might go, oh, fuck, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, let us know what you think on, on Twitter, Instagram, all mm. that good stuff. All that good stuff. TikTok but too. Yeah. TikTok too. TikTok too. Tim back too. Let's get um, it going. So, uh, who would like to start? I don't mind starting. If uh, Yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay, go <coughs> for it, mate. Hold on, let me do my... <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. Yeah. Um, here we go. Can you just stay open, please? <laughs> oh dear, he's having a stinker. <laughs> all right. I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time we could manage it. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest, and my parents would drop me off in the morning, and we'd stay in the woods all weekend. We'd only come out for school, we'd love pretending we were frontiersmen, we'd build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. That sounds so fucking dodgy. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what do you it's mean in Ohio. Parents... <laughs> no, no, what do you mean your parents left you in the woods and they were fine? It's, a, it's America in the 70s. Exactly. The most rapes and murders there could ever have been in history. Oh, God, and yeah. And you just left them in the woods. Yeah. He was on his mate's property, though, innit? So his parents... Oh, yeah, because also based in Ohio. murderers can't get there. <laughs> well, it's like how COVID don't come out until, like, after 11. Oh, yeah, fair Anyway, when we got to be in high school, we got this notion to pull a stand by me. This was based on the movie of the same name that had just come out. The idea was we'd walk the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from, a camp a little ways off the tracks, etc. Of course, we knew this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing, but we were kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers. We discovered bridges no one went to. We fished. We hid from trains. At night, we camped in the woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something bad definitely did happen yeah. That was a red flag It was idyllic In fact it was so fun we did it multiple times Never had a problem Just asking for trouble mm. <laughs> After high school me and Joe went our own separate ways We both left home but always stayed in touch And tried to coordinate visits so we'd see each other occasionally Well one summer in the mid 90s It worked out and that we were both in town for about a week We'd do stuff with the family in the day And at night we'd either catch drinks at a bar Or sit outside Joe's house around a fire And talk about the old diet the little old days. Old days. Living in the woods, Living murdering in the people. Well, it was avoiding murderers. <laughs> One night, me and Joe got to talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix, and soon we decided to take a day, walk the rails, camp one night, and walk home. The day came, and we started out early morning. We had my wife drop us right in our old spot where we used to start, right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. Yeah, it's fucking mental. <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? Are these two? Yeah. Because <laughs> they're twats. <laughs> You're asking for fucking trouble. Let's do what we did as kids. When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we take the opposite direction, just to be adventurous. We knew the land well. Right. We had a map, so I gave her what the hell, and off we set. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad, but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat on the edge, smoked a joint and moved on. We had no fishing gear, but we'd brought some canned food and other stuff. Before night started to other set in... Other stuff is code for crack. <laughs> and other stuff. Schmeck. Rolling stuff, etc. Before the night started to set in, we picked a spot to camp. 
It was a thick forested area with trees on every side of the train track, so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought small hammocks to sleep on, but before we set them up, we had decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days too. We'd walk around a little bit to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over a hill and we were actually camping in their yard. We'd walk maybe a hundred or so feet into the woods uh, and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from the top of this short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about 100 yards into the woods. It was barely visible. We pondered over what to do, but we both assumed it was a sugar shack or something because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either, all quiet, with no I'm movement. I'm sorry, Pauls, is this a true story? I doubt What you. is it called? Uh, it's on our Let's Not Meet. It's Cropsey. It's Cropsey. Is it Cropsey? Don't know. Read on, because Cropsey is a real thing. That was a real bloke. And he lived in a weird little abandoned shack. In It was like a building that had been... There was nothing around it. You know what I'm on about, didn't you? It's not spoil anything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Cropsey is. Okay. Well, okay. I nicked this off Cop's husband. <laughs> continue. Continue. Sure. <laughs> um, where was I? Where was I? Oh, yeah, the sugar shack. All was quiet, quiet, no movement could be seen, no lights. We decided to walk a little closer just to make sure. And um, all quiet, no movement could be seen, no lights, and we decided to walk a little closer just to make sure. We came down the hill very slowly, and as we neared the building, we saw it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was an old church. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. A cross still stood on top of the place, also weathered black. None of the windows had glass and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside. There were rows of pews and a built-up section in front for where a preacher should stand. We didn't go all the way in. We didn't want to. Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no paths, no roads. It was an abandoned church. Mm. We left immediately and went back up to the hill to our spot where we had picked to camp. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. We, wa- we chalked it up to the natural creepiness seeing a church in the middle of the woods would elicit. Besides, at this point it was dusk and we decided to rig up our hammocks and go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in and as we lay in our hammocks and shot the ship, we began to hear something in the direction of, our co- of the church. Our conversation went a little, little, little like this. Do you hear that? What the fuck is that? Sounds like uh, people singing. And it did just sound like people singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree, but it was near pitch black. We didn't use any flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill and we didn't talk. When we got to the top, we saw a light in the distance. It was coming from the church, and the singing was coming from inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a a hushed conversation that boiled down to, can you believe this shit? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered, and though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. I'll be honest, being in a church is just rank. Like, that already makes me feel uneasy. Mm. Imagine a church with no windows, dilapidated, floorboards yeah. In the middle broken. of a woods. Why? In the middle of a woods, exactly. Rank. Yeah, imagine, you know, church singing as well. It's like... But 
Depends on what church you're at, to be oh. fair. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Why ain't going to be like fun, you know, like, let's... Um, where was I? Yeah, uh, sound like church music, but in another language. Mm-hmm. We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only saw the occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting closer either. We had about a football field length between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The scene continued for a bit, and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the shit out of me. It sounded like some Old Testament preacher you see in the movies, but again, it was like he was speaking in a different language because we couldn't understand a single word. So, yeah, it was more like the first thing we said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. lovely, <laughs> lovely, terrifying. Um, eventually, it got to where the single male voice would say something and then a bunch of voices I would answer in song. This lasted for a while and then they all broke into this long, sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I had to cover my ears. Then it stopped. At this point, I was just getting ready to say, let's get the fuck out of here. When Joe put a hand on my shoulder and hissed, they're coming out. We went far enough, uh, sorry, we were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well. But what we could see was a line of figures walk out the open doorway, all holding hands in single file. We could see some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again, and the light from the flashlights began to move towards us and the hill. We booked it back down to our campsite, grabbed our shit and ran to the tracks. One there, once there, we ran down the tracks in the direction we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back. We saw lights coming down the hill. They were moving erratically, like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. By our map, we knew a small town was about 15 minutes down it, and we walked there, got to a 24-hour gas station, and called my wife to come get us. My wife and other friends all thought it was um, kids messing around. But I heard those voices and they sure as hell didn't sound like kids to me. Um, not sure who those people were, but it was definitely one of the creepiest things that happened to me out in the woods. It was Martians. <laughs> Martians. Telling you. That's my bet. It's Martians. <laughs> Dang aliens. Like it could well be. Could well be. I'm telling you it's Martians. Mm. Mm. Right, who wants to go next? Me or you? Ah. Uh. I think mine should only take like 10 minutes. Mine says estimated read time, six minutes, but I am dyslexic, so it'll probably take longer. So, uh, How do you get you estimated to... read time? It's on Creepypasta, mate. Nice. It gives you, it tells you. That's pretty cool. But yeah, right, so um, I'll jump into mine then, yeah? Yeah. Right, so mine's called Ikbar Biggelstein. Okay. Yeah. Um. So when I was a child, I was terrified of the dark. I still am. But back when I was around six years old, I, could go, I couldn't go a full night without crying out for one of my parents to search beneath my bed or in my closet for whatever monster I thought was waiting to eat me. What a pussy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just get a nightlight, mate. <laughs> Even with a nightlight, yeah. I would still see dark shapes moving around the corners of the room mm. or strange faces looking in on me mm. from my bedroom window. My parents would do their best to console me, telling me that it was just a bad dream or a trick of the light. Probably was, mate. <laughs> but you are six, so I will let you off. Yeah, and it, just this once. But in my young mind, I was positive that the second I fell asleep, the bad things would get me. Mm. I've been there. <laughs> Mainly because my dad made me watch, uh, you know, 27 days later or something. 28 days later. 28 my days dad later. made me watch that as well. Scared the shit out with the priest. Yeah, I was about six. I was about six. You couldn't wait. And he refused to let me have. Okay, then I'm about eight. Yeah. But um, he refused to let me have a uh, a nightlight as well. Oh, what a dick! So yeah, yeah. 
that film is that you know that's like the sorry a bit of a tangent, but it is like the greatest zombie film ever made. For Killian Murphy is a great yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, one of the world's greatest actors. Yeah, and uh, the director Edgar Wright, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, he's done loads of really good stuff. Baby Driver, he did Baby yeah. Driver. Um, but Twenty Eight Days Later, like it shoots the shit out of every other zombie thing I've ever mm. seen ever. Definitely. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, but in my young mind, I was positive that the second I fell asleep, the bad thing would get me. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I would just hide under the blankets until I became tired enough to stop worrying. But every now and then, I would become so panicked that I would run screaming into my parents' room, waking up my brother and sister in the process. Should just have a Xanax or something, really. Not very considerate, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Just not very considerate of other people. Uh, So, after an ordeal like that, there would be no way anyone would be getting a full night's rest. Mm. Not bad. (laughs) Eventually, after one particularly traumatising night, my parents had had enough. Mm. Adoption. Good. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to send them um, to the dumping ground. So, but, uh, <laughs> unfortunately for them, they understood the futility in arguing with a six-year-old and knew that they would be, be unable to convince me to rid myself of childish fears mm. through reason and logic. They had to be clever. It was my mother's idea to stitch together my little bedtime friend. What? Yep. Are you ready for what? this? He stitched together his little bedtime friend. Who is he? That sounds like something Michael Jackson would do. <laughs> <laughs> so she collected a, ri- a large assortment of random pieces of fabric and her sewing machine and created what I would later refer to as Mr. Ickbar Bigglestein, or Ick for short. <laughs> so she made something arguably more creepy. So here we go. <laughs> Ick was a sock monster. Mm-hmm. as my mother called him. He was made to keep me safe while I slept at night by scaring away all the other monsters. Mm. He was pretty damn creepy, I had to admit, <laughs> honestly. Looking back on it all now, I'm still impressed that my mum could think of something so strange and disturbing looking. Mm. Ikbar had the stitched-together look of a Frankenstein gremlin <laughs> with big white button eyes and floppy cat ears. His little arms and legs were made from a pair of my sister's black and white striped socks and the, uh, the half of his face that was green was made from one of my brother's tall football socks. His head could have been described as bulbous and for his mouth my mum attached a piece of white fabric and sewed in a zigzag pattern to shape a wide grin of sharp teeth. Someone described my head as bulbous once. Not, not this one though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I loved him at once. From then on, Ick never left my side. So long as it was after dusk, of course, Ick didn't like the sun. Didn't like the sun, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it's a teddy bear? Well, you should have checked page three. <laughs> <laughs> so Ick didn't like the sun and would get upset if I tried to bring him to school with me. Fucking trash and have tits in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd get upset if I tried to take him to school with me. Mm. But this, but that was okay. I only needed him at night to keep away the bogeymen. Mm. For any Americans, it's boogie. You wrongans. Yeah, well, it's the boogeyman, isn't it? Mm, yeah, but I call it a bogeyman. Why do you call it a bogeyman? Because what are them things in your nose? Bogies. Not, you don't call them boogies, do you? Boogers. He's not the. He's not a. He's not a bogey. Is he? He's the boogeyman because he. You don't know. Because he know he's dancing. <laughs> That's what I think of boogie. Yeah. 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 Bogey. Yeah. Made a snot, mate. Gross. Um, I needed him at night to keep away the bogeymen. 
which was what we, he was good at. So every night at bedtime, it would tell me where the monsters were hiding and I would place him near the section of my room closest to the spookiness. If there was something in the closet, it would block the door. If there was a dark creature scratching at my window, it would be pressed up against the glass. If there was a big hairy beast under my bed... <laughs> Damn it, Dad! <laughs> we went different ways. <laughs> I said, Mum... <laughs> Um, if there was a <laughs> if there was a big hairy beast under my bed, then under the bed he went. Sometimes freeze a crowd, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the monsters weren't even in my room. Sometimes they would hide in my dreams, and Iqbal would have to come with me into my nightmares. It was fun bringing Ick into my dream world, as he and I would spend hours fighting off ghouls and demons. The best part was, in my dreams, Ick could talk to me for real. How much do you love me? He would ask. More than anything, mm. I would always tell him. One night in a dream, after I had lost my first tooth, Ick asked me a favour. Can I have your tooth? I asked him why. To help me kill the bad things, he said. The next morning at breakfast, my mum asked me what my where my tooth went. From what she told me, the tooth fairy didn't find it under my pillow. When I told her I gave it to Iqbal, she just shrugged and went back to feeding my little sister. <coughs> From then on, every time I lost a tooth, I would give it to Ick. This ain't going to end well, is it? He would always thank me, of course, and tell me that he loved me. Mm. Eventually, though, I ran out of baby teeth. Oh, no. And I was beginning to get a little too old to still be playing with dolls. Mm. So Ick just sat there on my bookshelf collecting dust, slowly fading away from my attention. Over time, the nightmares, however, became worse than ever. Mm. So bad that they even began to follow me to the walking world terrorising every dark corner or rustle in the bushes. After one particularly bad night biking home from a friend's house where I swore a pack of rabid dogs were chasing me. I'm uh, sorry, but this this guy clearly has schizophrenia. Like, like, like his parents probably. have taken him to the doctors a long time ago. Yeah, probably. Like, that's fucked. Like, he needs to take some lithium and just relax a little okay. bit. <laughs> Get some therapy. Like, fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, the, the dogs had chased him. Mm -hmm. uh, I got home to find something strange for me waiting in my room. Mm. There on my bed, standing fully upright in a soft glow of the moonlight from my window, was Iqbal. Oh. At first, I just thought my eyes were playing tricks on me again. Mm -hmm. They had been all evening. Mm -hmm. So I tried to flick on the lights, another flick of the light switch, then another, and another, with no change to the darkness. It was then I started to get nervous. I backed away slowly towards the door behind me, my eyes never leaving the shape of Ick's silhouette, my hand awkwardly outstretched behind reaching for the doorknob. I was just about to get out, get my ass out of the, out of there, then I heard the door slam itself shut, locking me into the blackness. In nothing but shadows and silence, I stood frozen in place, not even breathing. For how long I can't say, but after what I felt is what felt like a lifetime of cold fear, I heard the shrill, familiar voice. You stopped feeding me. So why should I protect you? Oh. Protect me from what? Your mum. Let me show you. I blinked once and everything changed. I wasn't in my bedroom anymore. I was somewhere else. It wasn't hell, but the comparison wasn't far off. It was sort of a forest... A horrible, nightmarish place where 
partial embryotic abortions hung from the canopy. That's gross. Yeah, mate. Oh, it's like a Kurt Cobain thing. Fuck. <laughs> and a, and the ground swarmed with carnivorous insects. Gross. A thick fog wafted through the air and with it the stench of rotting meat with a, a word that I can't say lighting flashed across the night sky in the distance. I could hear the agonising screams of something not quite human. My head throbbed like it was about to explode, the pain forcing out a river of tears in my mind. I heard his voice again. This is what your reality would become without me. I felt the earth-shaking earth shaking footsteps approaching fast. I'm the only one who can stop it. It was behind me now, huge and angry, hot breath across my back. Bring me what I need, and I will. I woke up before I could turn around. The following day, I raided my parents' closet for my brother's baby teeth, giving them all to Iqbar. Almost immediately, the night Sarah ceased, and I was more or less able to go on about my life as normal. From time to time, I would have to sneak into my little sister's room and snatch what was meant for the tooth fairy, or strangle one of the neighbourhood cats. Oh! And pry out its sharp little incisors. Oh! Anything. <laughs> fucking hell! Anything Fuck to ward Harry. off the visions. <laughs> 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 Fuck! Yep. Is there more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This oh. goes on for a while. <laughs> Anything from a sharp tooth, shark tooth necklace to a cavity-ridden bicuspid. Bicuspid? No, I don't think so. B-I-C-U-S-P-I-D. <laughs> Would you like one to take a look? Bicuspid. Uh, I can't see it. Uh, bicuspid. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever that means. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the other word was incandescent, but... Mm, possibly. Yeah. I also began to notice that Ick would move about my room whenever I left for any length of time, mm. rearranging my stuff and hanging additional curtains. He was even beginning to look more lifelike somehow. In the right light, his teeth would glisten, and he was warm to the touch. As much as he creeped me out, I couldn't work up the courage to just destroy him, knowing perfectly well... Where that would leave me. So I went on collecting teeth for Ick. Throughout all of high school and college, the older I got, the more things I would learn to fear, the more teeth Ick would need to keep me safe. I'm 22 years old now, with a decent job, my own apartment, and a set of dentures. Because he's been pulling his own teeth out to feed him. It's been almost a month since Ick's last meal, and the horrors are starting to crowd around me once more. I took a detour through a parking garage after work tonight. Found a man fumbling with his car keys. His teeth were stained yellow from a lifetime of cigarettes and coffee. Even still, I had to use a hammer to get out the molars. When I got back to my apartment, he was waiting for me on the ceiling in the corner. Two white eyes, a mouthful of razors. How much do you love me, he asked. More than anything, I replied, taking off my coat. More than anything in the world. Grim, that's, isn't it? That's fucking <laughs> creepy. That's fucking really creepy. It's really good, isn't it? That's, that's really good. See, uh, when you said Iqbal Figglestein. Figglestein, mate. Figglestein, you. you was like, yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> it is. He kept that under wraps, bro. 
Uh, that was scary. That was it's scary. mental, wasn't it? Who wrote that? Uh, Stephen D. Harris. Oh, Stephen D. Harris, you are a really fucking good writer. <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, even with Harry, Harry reading it, like, really fucking slowly <laughs> yeah. and that, like... Oh, unbelievable. Hmm. Really great, yeah. I, honestly, thought, remembered my one being a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was reading it, I was like, I swear he dies, but like, <laughs> none of them look like, seem like they're about to die yet. And then I got to the end and I was like, oh, fuck, Oh, that's it. how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> that one was really good. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that. Go on, Al. Oh, my top, uh... top that, you little twat. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. Uh... So I found one called, uh, it's a pretty common one. Mm. Uh, it's called The Backrooms. Right. And basically the basis... Is it about of, a gay song or? No. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, the basis of how it originated, um, it was a singular picture posted on 4chan. Oh, lovely. Oh, God. That's and pretty. there was no, consent, no context to the picture. And other than so and so and so. It was, uh, <laughs> it was put... On a tag which was like paranormal kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paranormal board, isn't it? Or is that the X board? Fuck knows. Maybe, yeah. But we've got 15 minutes left of studio time. Let's get but, this story uh, out. Story. <laughs> the idea of the backrooms is if you just accidentally slip into a plane of existence, or as some people <laughs> refer to it as if you just accidentally no clip in real life. <laughs> Uh, it's what just do you like, mean? Sake. What do you yeah. mean if you accidentally no clip in real life? Right? Can you explain that to our so, viewers um, that aren't sad little boys what that means as well, please? No clipping, or as this put it, slipping, is like <laughs> passing is that when through you, a like, solid. GTA floor is just non existent. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like you walk through a wall. You walk through a wall like there's that one in one trillion percent chance that yeah. your atoms could physically pass through an object. Oh, oh okay. It's a Mad. possibility. Yeah, so, like, when you're By playing a video happened. game, you you clip, but when you know clip, you're like doing it deliberately mm-hmm. you, to glitch and stuff like that. So, mm. there's more complicated aspects to it. Okay. So, like, you can clip, like, a car will clip you, and which means it will just drive through you. Yeah, yeah, that's just normally part of the game. But if I drive my car into the side of like Mount fucking Chiliad and yeah, then yeah. fly up into a rocket and complete the game because I've just glitched it all out, then that, yeah. okay. like, that's or more no clipping, I think. When okay. uh, when a picture was posted on 4chan. It's a picture of what looks like endless office like rooms, mm. yeah, and it's just got like a dreary fluorescent light into it. Oh. Okay, and uh, there was a text under it that read, "Can I see?" And the picture. Cool. It's the only picture it's got on there. Is it weird? It, it's just like a little creepy office room. It's got no, fucking that, shit tons of writing over it. Yeah, it's, it's the only picture <laughs> show, so it's hard to say. But there was a text that read under it, if you're not careful and you no-clip out of reality in the wrong areas, you'll end up in the backrooms, where it is nothing but the stink of old moist carpet, the <laughs> madness of mono-yellow, the endless background noise of fluorescent lights at maximum humbuzz, oh. and approximately 600 million square miles of randomly segmented empty rooms to be trapped in. Oh, lovely. That literally sounds like hell. And it's not even the end of the, like, the text. It's like, God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby, because it sure as hell has heard you. Oh, good fucking lord. So how, how, how do you clip out of reality then? Because it's not going to be a case of me like, so in Skyrim, if you want to clip through something, you've got to hold a plate up and then spring as fast <laughs> you as you can. you got to run into it. Right. <laughs> so, 
Well, if then I do that in wall. real life, it will just smash. <laughs> 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 you got a shard of. Uh, so how, how do you know clip in real life? Because well, I've got two theories, right? Acid and DMT. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there's actually a little story that follows it. And it's okay. Created okay. by a guy called. Um, it's like creator glitch one two three four five. I think that's okay. the name of him. Okay. Uh, and it's literally just called the back rooms. Okay. It's like. It was approximately 12.15 when I entered Johnson County Community Health Clinic. Nice. STD check. I was there for an appointment I had set up weeks ago, just a routine checkup. It wasn't a new place for me. I'd been there a couple times before. However, the place had an old nostalgic feel to it, as if it were a location from my childhood or something. And I could never pinpoint exactly what this feeling was or where it came from. As I walked in, an overwhelming feeling of deja vu swept over me. The hum of the flickering fluorescent lights, the white tile flooring, the muted beige paint that coloured the walls. I noticed there was a small TV mounted in the corner, a smaller flat screen that was playing a short PowerPoint slideshow on a loop of ads and events that were being held by the clinic. I passed the empty waiting area, a small area of the main room with magazines, children playthings and blue cushioned chairs, and approached a woman at the front desk. Mm. She was sitting in a bluish grey office chair looking at the spreadsheet on the same Windows XP desktop they've had since 2008. There was a sign-in sheet on the counter in front of me. I have an appointment for Dr. Pebbins, I asked. What a name. Pebbins, yeah. She was like... Well, he doesn't even say who or what, but something speaks to him. What time? 12.30, I replied. She began typing something onto her keyboard. Oh, yeah. She responded, Gary Johnston. He's like, mm-hmm. yes, I'll tell the doctor, please fill this out. She handed me a clipboard, which held a simple fill out form. I walked back to the waiting area, took a seat and began to fill out the form. I was about halfway done with the, f- with filling in. I was about halfway done with filling in my information. When I slumped back in my chair, I hadn't got much sleep prior and I was exhausted. As I slumped back, I noticed something very peculiar. My head never hit the wall. In fact, it felt like it went in. I got up, quite frightened, and looked at the wall. Nothing. Not a single hole or dent had been made in the wall by my head. So I reached to touch the wall, and my fingers went through it. I recoiled on shot. What the hell's that? (laughs) I thought as I reached to touch the wall again, only to find my fingers clipped through once more. Lovely. Then suddenly, I lost my balance, tripped, and fell directly through the wall. Oh, dear. I fell face first onto something, some dirty tan carpeting. Upon getting back up, I realised I was in a completely different room. Well, not really a room per se, more of a set of rooms, which all connected by openings. The walls were covered in gross tan patterned wallpaper. There was also an overwhelming stench of moist carpet. That's disgusting. Like a 90 year old's house that just mm. smokes indoors. Yeah, or like a terrible club that used to be a community centre. Yeah. <laughs> I turned back around and tried to put my hand back through the wall and it wouldn't go through. Okay. What the fuck? I muttered. I looked back into the room. There was no windows, no doors, nothing on the walls other than that disgusting wallpaper, of course. It was completely empty, aside from the singular plastic blue school chair. At this point, the only thing going through my mind was fear and repeating and the repeating thought of, I need to leave. 
on loop in my head. I started running through the rooms, desperately trying to find an exit, but to no avail, there was no exit. Was this my permanent location until I died? Nah, there had to be a way out. I wasn't going to be left here, right? Eventually, someone would notice that I was gone, but nobody did. Then in the distance, I heard footsteps, but not those of a humans, at least not a normal human. Alongside the footsteps was a gurgling snarl like that of an angry animal. I began I nearly read the word advertisements <laughs> I began to run I ran as fast as I could from whatever the hell was approaching me I didn't want anything to do with it I ran for what seemed like forever but I was always back in the same room I started in at least it looked like the same room not that I could tell them apart so I sat down defeated a feeling of dread filled my body as I started to cry I was going to die here I'm still there I haven't left I've accepted my fate in fact, I can actually hear footsteps. I wonder who that is. That's just... That's it. Ew. I feel really unsatisfied. Um, <laughs> I've been teased with who it could be. Do you reckon yeah. it's just him? So, Maybe. the guy that wrote this story is called Clay Kid 12345 nice. Okay. Uh, he wrote mine, actually. Yeah, we'll give him all just, a little shout-out before we uh, wrap this up. Yeah. That, that's literally it. He wrote the story, yeah. but then there's... It's like a little cliffhanger. Yeah, there's the development of mythos. Uh, and it's literally, as the concept... What you told us earlier. Yeah, as the yeah. Back, concept of the backrooms has developed, so to have perspectives and opinions about precisely what the backrooms are. Yeah. Their nature, structure, and their occupants. And from what I read somewhere, if I could find it, the thing that they called... What they called that creature, mm. that being, yeah, they called it the skin stealer. <laughs> That's gross. Right. So as we've uh, cracked all our stories out, I think we'll leave it there. Yeah. So that is a goodbye. Oh, go. Really quick. Sorry to oh, interrupt. You got a picture, picture of the skin the, stealer. You got a picture of both the backrooms and the skin stealer. So I assume he's still skin. He don't look. I'll be honest. He don't look as scary as I thought he would. They never do. You can tell he's got overwhelmingly too much skin on. Oh, gross. Because he's just got, like, saggy arms. Mm. And saggy legs. He's been made out of fucking clay. Yeah, he looks like a Play-Doh man. I couldn't say I'd be overwhelmingly threatened. I don't think I'd be scared of him, to be honest. I'd probably be like, you sweat. (laughs) I think I'd slowly get scared as this weird little fleshy man got towards me. You can just hear... Yeah, and it... <coughs> Fuck. Oh. <laughs> yeah, too but, far. Right. I nearly swallowed my tongue. Right, we'll end it there. Alright. So All that right. is a goodbye from me. Okay. A goodbye from Joey. Love you and leave you. And Aaron. Goodbye. And take care. <laughs>